My name is Jeff Brookshire, in case we haven't met, and I am the growth pastor here at Crossroads. I don't know about you, but the more and more I hear about ISIS, about the so-called Islamic State that's in parts of Syria and Iraq, the more I hear about the things that they believe and the things that they are doing, the more I realize that they have a real deep hatred for us, not just as Americans, the great Satan, as we're called, but also as us, as fellow followers of Jesus Christ. They have captured many followers of Jesus Christ, our brothers and sisters, and have threatened them with their lives that they did not renounce Jesus and turn to Allah and his prophet Muhammad, that they would kill them. Many have stood firm and have renounced, not have refused to renounce the name of Jesus, have refused to turn to Allah and have lost their lives. Many of them being beheaded, literally having their heads cut off of their bodies. Some of those in ISIS and other terrorist groups hate us so much that they're willing to strap explosives on their bodies and commit suicide and murder all at the same time. There's a group that's related to ISIS called the United Cyber Caliphate. And they have started some time ago producing these kill lists, these lists of people that they want dead. And what's scary is that they're not just listing governmental authorities high up in the government, but they've also started listing normal, ordinary United States citizens on these lists. Not just putting their names on the list, but their email addresses, their phone numbers, and even their home addresses, saying these are the people that we want dead. Now, no one has been killed on those kill lists, but the truth of the matter is, is that every single person in this room has an enemy an enemy that hates them and wants to see them dead. Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, Love your enemy, love your neighbor, and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Following Jesus is hard. It is not for wimps. Because Jesus continually rises the bar, doesn't he? He rises the standard for us. Especially when it comes in our relationships with one another. Following Jesus is hard. It's not for wimps. Especially when you realize that when Jesus is talking about our enemies, he's not just talking about groups like ISIS. But he's talking about people who have hurt us in the past and who may be hurting us in the present. Following Jesus is hard. It's not for wimps. And some of you today can name who your enemy is. Maybe it was someone who stole from you. 
told lies about you, divorced you, attacked you, abused you. Maybe it was someone who got you fired or cheated on you or hurt your kids. You name it. Some of you are able to name your enemy and you know that feeling of hate. You know that feeling that is just right in here, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a tightness. It's a tingling. It's a sensation that you have right in your chest. You know what it's like to feel the feeling of hate in your brain where all of your nerves seem to be going off at the same time. You know what it's like to have an enemy. You know what it's like to hate. That's why I so respect the question that was asked today. As Josh said, we are closing out a series today called Hey God Answer This, a series that was created by our congregation. Several weeks ago, we asked you to write down on your connection cards what question you would like to ask God. If you had one question, what would that be? And we got some great Great questions, didn't we, Rod? They were just amazing. And we got some really hard, hard questions. Like the question today. Why can't I stop hating my enemy? In fact, what's interesting is is that the person who wrote this question didn't just write it once. They wrote it twice on their card. Why can't I stop hating my enemy? Why? Can't I stop hating my enemy? Now, I love this question because can't you just hear the intention beneath the question? This person did not ask the question, Hey, God, how can I hate my enemy more? They didn't ask that question. Could have, but they didn't. They didn't say, hey, God, answer this. How can I annihilate my enemy from the face of this planet forevermore? No, they didn't ask that question. They could have. Instead, they asked, why can't I stop hating my enemy? They recognize that hating their enemy, there's something wrong about that. There's something that's incongruent about that in the Christian walk. They recognize that there is a problem there. Why can't I stop hating my enemy? I've tried. I want to. But I can't. I want to stop. But there's just something that's keeping me from being able to stop hating my enemy. Well, to answer your question today, I want to look at Jesus' words again that I wrote just a few moments ago. But instead of starting at the top of the scripture and working my way down, I want to do something that's a little unconventional. I want to start at the bottom and work our way up. Jesus concludes this particular section by saying, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Now, Jesus saying there is problematic. Am I right? We got a problem. Right? Because all of us know that we're not perfect. All of us know that we have imperfections. In fact, we're in a church whose slogan is what? No perfect people allowed. Why do we have that slogan? Because quite frankly, we're telling people that we're not going to have pretenses here. We're not going to go around acting like we're perfect. In fact, if somebody here is acting like they're perfect, all they're doing is hiding. 
They're just hiding their imperfections. They're just hiding beneath this veneer, trying to make it look like they're perfect. But they're not. We're all imperfect. We all have sin. We all have fallen short of God's standard of perfection. We all have fallen short of God's glory. So what is Jesus trying to say here? Well, he's not saying, please hear me on this. He is not saying that we should somehow be able to flip a switch in our lives. That we go from being imperfect to perfect. I'm not saying that. He's not saying that somehow we should be perfect on this side of death or this side of when Jesus returns, whichever comes first. He acknowledges that we are going to be imperfect until that day that we die and we are then made perfect in an instant. He recognizes that we're going to be imperfect until the day that Jesus returns and then automatically we will be made perfect. He recognizes that on this side, We will be imperfect. So what is Jesus trying to say? He's saying that what we need to do is to compare ourselves to perfection. Instead of comparing ourselves to the world and its imperfections, we need to compare ourselves to perfection. Because if you compare yourself to the world, if you compare yourself to imperfection, You're going to feel pretty darn good about yourself, aren't you? You're going to feel pretty darn good about how you love those who love you and hate those who hate you. Because that's what everybody else is doing. But when you compare yourself to who God is and you strive to be like God, it requires you to act differently. Friends, what Jesus is saying is, is strive for perfection. What is your goal in life? If your goal in life is to strive for imperfection, guess what? Ding! Congratulations, you made it. Right? But no, the Bible says what we need to do is to strive to be like God, to strive to be like Him, to grow up into Him who is the head, to grow up into perfection, to continue to make that our goal. He says, if we compare ourselves to other people and we just love those who love us and hate those who hate us, that we get no reward for that. He says, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that. Tax collectors were low on the totem pole back then. And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans, non-spiritual people do that. He's saying even child molesters, drug dealers, crooked politicians, mass murderers, serial rapists love those who love them and hate those who hate them. He causes us to go to a different standard. He challenges us to do so. In fact, he reveals a bit of God's character to us when he says that God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. In other words, God blesses both the evil and the good. And blesses both the righteous and the unrighteous. Now, if I was God, that would not be me. If I was God. The lights are in my eyes, so I can only see people are in front. So you're going to get picked on, Ryan. 
If I was God, Ryan, and, and you were my bitter enemy, you were my brutal enemy, I would flood you out. I would not let it stop raining on you. It'd be like, bloop, 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 bye-bye. Right? I would flood you out if I was God, if he was my brutal enemy. Matt, if you were my enemy, <laughs> my brutal, dire enemy, you know what I would do? I would drought you out. You'd be crawling across the sands of the desert going, Dasani, Aquafina, water. If you, if you were my enemy, I'd drought you. Jill, if you were my best friend, and she is, by the way. Aww. If you were my best friend, I would send beautiful blue skies on you all day long and then gentle rains at night to rain on your beautiful flower garden. That's what I would do if I was God. But God isn't like that. God sends His Son to shine on both the evil and the good and sends His rains on both the righteous and the unrighteous. So why does He do this? Well, God said it best when He said in John 3.16, God so loved the God so loved the world. The world. Everybody on the world. (laughs) Or planet or whatever else you wanted to say. God so loved the world. Which means that He loves the men and women who are in ISIS. Which means he loves the men and women who have hurt you in the past and who are hurting you in the present. Now, does he approve of what they have done to you in the past? Nope. Does it mean he approves of what they are doing to you in the present? Nope. Does it mean he will always overlook it? Nope. But what he is saying there is, is that God is a heavenly father that loves, that loves those that he knit together in his, in their mother's womb. As a mother, as a mother has an indelible bond with her child even before the child is born. God has an indelible bond with those that he knit together in their mother's womb. He loves them. And his heart aches for them. His heart aches by the fact that they have bought into the lies of this world and are living a lie. His heart aches for them. It aches for the fact that they have been entrapped in Satan's traps. His heart aches for them that they are far from Him. And He longs for them to be saved. He longs to be in relationship with them. He longs for them to be saved from hell and saved for heaven. In fact, He longs for them as He once longed for us. In Colossians, Paul writes, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies. Stop right there. 
you're about to blow right over that. And we're not going to do it. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies. And when I say you, I don't mean you collectively. I don't mean the you that's sitting next to you that, boy, they really need to hear this message. I'm talking about the you. So take your finger, point it right here. Take your finger, point it right here. You were alienated. You were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight without blemish, And free from accusation. In other words, those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, when you stepped over the line of faith and you received Jesus Christ as your Savior, you asked Him for forgiveness of your sins and you believed that He could wash you clean of all of your sin. And when you promised to make Him the leader of your life, to follow Him as the Lord of your life for the rest of your life, God transformed you from being enemies into friends. That's what God longed for us before we crossed the line of faith. And for those of you who have not crossed the line of faith yet, that's what God longs for you, is to be in relationship with you, that you would no longer be alienated from Him, that you would no longer be an enemy of His but that you would be in relationship with him, that you would be his friend. So when Jesus says that we are to be perfect as our heavenly father is perfect, he's saying that our standard must be perfection, that we must be striving to be like God, not trying to be like everyone else, but to be like him. So how do we become like him in loving as our enemies? Loving our enemies as he calls us to do. How do we stop hating our enemies? Well, the first thing you do is, is you don't stop hating your enemies. <laughs> you, you, you don't stop hating your enemies. You ask the Holy Spirit to birth love in you. The goal is not to stop hating. The goal is to start loving. That's the goal. Because hatred flees in the face of love like darkness flees in the face of light. The Apostle Paul wrote this. He said, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. The acts of the flesh are obvious. And then here's a long list. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, Factions, have you found yourself in this list yet? And envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, oh, I love that word here, but. 
The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. In other words, if you want to stop hating your enemy, you don't stop hating your enemy. You ask the Holy Spirit of God to come into you. Because if you continue to try to do it in your own flesh, by your own power, by your own self-will, you're not going to succeed. But what is impossible for us is possible for God. So ask the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, to come into your life and start producing the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and the rest. Ask the Holy Spirit to be the power that transforms you from hating into loving. But there's something that we need to do alongside of that. As the Holy Spirit is producing that fruit in us, there's something that we need to do. And that is what Jesus said for us to do, and that is to pray for our enemies. To pray for them. Now, Jesus told us to do this, right, when he said, pray for those who persecute you. But Jesus didn't just tell us to do things. What I loved about Jesus is is that he models how to do things. He doesn't just tell you to do it. He shows you how to do it. Like um, what Chris was saying, he didn't just teach it. People caught it, right? Because after he was falsely accused and arrested, after going through a mockery of a trial, after having his back literally slashed open by whips, after being punched and spit upon, after having a crown of thorns shoved onto his head, after having nails driven through his hands and his feet lifted up upon the cross, after being mocked, Hey, Jesus, if you really are the Son of God, come down off that cross. (laughs) He saved others. He can't save himself. Even after all of that, Jesus looked out over his enemies and he prayed for them. God, destroy them for they know what they're doing. Nope. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. (laughs) Looking out all of his enemies... He could have called down angels. He could have called down fire from heaven if he wanted to. But instead, he prayed for them. For me to be able to do this, I have to be able to see my enemy not as a monster, but as a human being. I have to be able to see them through God's eyes. And to do that, I have to be able to see them as a person who is broken. As a person who needs Jesus. I need to be able to see them as a person where maybe something personal in their life 
hurt them so deeply that now they have this anger and this rage inside of them. I have to see them as a person who simply may be acting out of deception from believing so many different lies in their lives. In other words, I need to see them as God see them. So do I pray that their evil plans are thwarted? You bet I do. I pray that they will be frustrated. I pray that they will be caught. I pray that their violence, that their planning will never happen. But I also pray for them and I pray, Lord, please change their hearts. Please save them. Their Lord, they're on a path. They're on a path that is not good. They're on a path that is going to lead to destruction, that's going to lead to hell. A path that's going to hurt so many other people that's hurting me. Please stop them, Lord, and please draw them to you. The key is seeing them as a human being and not a monster. Now, this won't be easy to do at first. It's not easy, believe me. But it is a part of the path to peace and healing and love. Now, if asking the Holy Spirit to birth love in you for your enemies and praying for your enemies is hard, we've got something that's even harder than that. Jesus said, But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And then this is the hardest sentence for me. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. Now that's tough stuff. See what I mean when I say that being a Christian is not for wimps? But let's be very clear about something. If you are being abused mentally, emotionally, sexually, Jesus is not saying, just keep turning the cheek. Just keep taking it. Just keep accepting it. No. Jesus allows us to establish clear boundaries. For example, I'm going back to Ryan. Ryan's my bitter enemy. And he just gave me a face and it scared me. (laughs) Because he is much stronger than I am. But let's say I go up to Ryan and I punch him in the face. And I say, oh, Ryan, I'm, I'm sorry. When, what was I thinking? What am I, where'd that come from? I'm sorry, please forgive me. And Ryan, who is one of the gentlest people I know, says, Man, alright, I, I forgive you, just don't do it again. Bam, I punch him again. Ryan, I, man, I'm, I'm sorry, I, oh, what was I, I shouldn't have done that. Okay, man, I forgive you, don't do it again. Please forgive me, I forgive you. Please forgive me, I forgive you. Please forgive me, I forgive you. Let me ask you a question. At what point should Ryan go like this and block my punch? At what point should he step back 
and be at least an arm's length away from me and establish that clear boundary between us so I can't punch him in the face? At what point should he get a restraining order against me? (laughs) At what point should he have me arrested? You see, God recognizes that this is a sin. And God hates sin. Let's be very clear about that. He hates the sin. And he allows us to establish clear boundaries between one another. Because God is a God of justice. Make no mistake about it. And we are to seek justice. Not revenge. Because what Ryan would probably want to do, (laughs) right, when I go, is he'd want to go right back. Am I right? Or as some people are saying in the political arena, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you. Not just twice, they say ten times harder than before, right? So what I'm saying to you is, is that Jesus is saying, do not seek revenge. Do not slap back like you want to slap back. Do not seek revenge, seek justice. The Apostle Paul writes, do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right and you will be commended. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For rulers do not bear the sword for nothing. They are God's servants. Agents of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Who is given, who has God given the sword to? You or the government. Okay, let me ask again. Let me read the scripture again. For rulers do not bear the sword for no reason. Who is the sword given to? You or the government? The government, right? Who is to be the agent of wrath? You or the government? The government. Who is to bring punishment on the wrongdoer? You or the government? The government, I know it comes out of your mouth pretty hard. Because let's just say, just for example, that the government doesn't do their job. Now I know that's hard to imagine. (laughs) But let's just say for a minute that the government doesn't do its job and justice is not served. What do you do then? Romans 12, 19. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay. When the government doesn't do its job to exact justice, who are you to turn to? Who are you to return? Who are you to turn to? God. God. Being a Christian is not for wimps. It is hard. It is hard to take that step where you go to the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, I know that this hate that is inside of me is wrong and I need you to birth love in me. It is hard to do that. It is hard 
to get down on your knees and pray for someone who has hurt you, who has mistreated you, has persecuted you. It is hard. It is hard not to take revenge. And instead seek justice. It is hard when you don't get justice. And you have to rely upon the Lord to do what he says he will do. It is hard. But friends, that hatred that's inside of you, that hatred for your enemy, Jesus recognized it to be a cancer upon our souls that hurts us worse than it hurts our enemies. What Jesus recognized is that the true way to peace in our lives is through love. So come, Holy Spirit. Come into our lives. Come into our lives and fill us with your love. Come into our lives. Come into our lives and fill us with your peace. Lord, this isn't something that we can do on our own. This isn't something that we can do in our own power. But you are able. You are able to birth the fruit of love in our lives. So come into our lives. Lord, I pray for those today who are still enemies, who are still alienated from you. Lord, I pray that you will come into their lives, that they will cry out to you, that they will ask you to be their Savior, to cleanse them of all of their sins, that they will ask you to be the leader of their lives from now and forevermore. Come into their lives, Lord. Come into us. Lord, please, I pray that justice will be served. I pray, Lord, that justice will come into this world, that those who are planning evil against us will be stopped. They will be found out. And, Lord, I pray that they will come to you and be followers of yours. I pray this in the precious name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.